Praise the Lord. Father, thank you. We're excited about what you're doing. Thank you, Father, as we see our county coming to a place where it's going to double in size. We as the church want to make sure that we're ready, that we open our hearts and open our, uh, our lives and, and, and share our giftings and, and come, to the, come to the table so your kingdom may come and that your will may be done. And Father, as I, I share the, 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 the word that you've placed on my heart today, I thank you that we would uh, be enlightened, be quickened, be stirred, and be more excited as we step out of this building to go forward with the kingdom of God. And all God's people said... Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Well, you know, we've been talking about this year, the goodness of God. It's the year of God's goodness. And I'll tell you what, when I hear the testimonies of people getting brand new cars and, and getting houses and, and people coming down and getting blessed in different ways and Alec coming to Jesus and, and all these lovely things, we see the goodness of God is flowing through. No matter what turmoil is happening, God's goodness is, 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 is plowing through. Um, we did not plan to go to Europe at all. We were planning to go to Lake Powell in May and that got all canceled because I believe there's only 20% water in that, in that lake. So we, could, we couldn't boat with anybody else. We would be shuffling in the water. So we canceled that. So we didn't know when we were going to go. And then suddenly we got offered a free gift of a cruise in, this, in, in Europe. And I'm, I'm in the middle of this thing, watching this and obviously having some good Italian coffee. And I said, God, this is just overwhelming. He says, you've been talking about my goodness. I thought I'd just bless you. And so I said, okay, bring it on, Father. Bring it on. I love it. Um, but so he just wanted to bless Val and I, and he did. And I just want to say thank you to the leadership and for the team that held it together while I unexpectedly extended my vacation. So, um, but I'm here. Alex asked, where are you going to be? I said, I'm staying here for a long, long time. I'm like in my bed. Thank you. Hallelujah. But I've been talking about it. People that encounter Jesus and what happens to them, especially in the New Testament, we've been looking at that. And so we looked at uh, John and John and James were those, uh, the sons of thunder and they, they weren't, they weren't the, the cream of the crop when Jesus came to them. They were these rough fishermen and then they became, and he became the apostle of love. Can you be, that's what happens when you encounter Jesus. If, if there's no change, there's no Jesus. And we saw Apostle John change. And then he, he, he goes to a wedding and, and, and we see the, these uh, six stone Yeti pots that I spoke about suddenly come from the, these uh, water into wine and, and how the servants get to be the obedient one that take the water to, to, to the guests and this transformation and telling us that we, when we encounter Jesus, things transform in our lives. We become the vessels through which divine favor flows. We become that wine. We become that richness. We become that, that, that joy that we bring to earth because the one we know, because we encounter Jesus. And then obviously I ended off on Val's birthday with the Samaritan that, that met Jesus at the well. And you saw Jesus, how he reached out to an unsaved person. And, and he didn't argue. He didn't argue when she brought up race. He didn't argue. When she brought up her reasoning why, he didn't argue. And when, and when, he, uh, and when he brought up her religion, he didn't argue. He took it and drew her closer to him. And, then, uh, and, and she was transformed. But today I want to talk about your, uh, Matthew's encounter with Jesus and see what we can learn from that. And, 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 and run it past our lives so we can see um, if, if we can learn some things from that. So yeah, Matthew, his, his encounter translated it into uh, others meeting Jesus. When Matthew met Jesus, others landed up meeting Jesus. 
The truth is our encounter with Jesus should not be kept quiet, should not be kept uh, away. It not, should not be kept to ourselves. Our encounter with Jesus is designed to tell other people. I was lost and now I'm saved. I was blind and now I can see. I was lame and now I can walk. These are the testimonies that we need to, to, to um, release and, and when we encounter Jesus. And we look at those encounters with John. John, man, he couldn't keep quiet. He writes five books in the New Testament. Those, those servants, who, who, told, who told the disciples and the writers of the New Testament about the water turning into wine? I guarantee it was those servants. They saw it. I took it out the well. I put it into the stone pots and it became this top quality, top wine for, this, for the guests to, 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 to avoid the shame to the, to the marriage. And, and, and that, that happened. How about the Samaritan woman? She left her, her, her bucket right there at the well, took off back to the city and said, come and see a man who told me all about my life. That's what happens when we encounter Jesus. And so here in Matthew, we pick up the story in Matthew chapter nine, verse nine, and we have a look at Matthew. And as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at this tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus um, and his disciples to his home as, as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputables. Sinners kind of fall into that category. That's kind of where I would have fallen into that invite. But when the Pharisees saw that, this, they asked his disciples, why does this, does your teacher eat with such scum? Really sweet religious people, aren't they? <laughs> she. And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. We see this encounter, this encounter um, uh, brought the good news of Christ, the authentic Jesus to the forefront, this encounter. We don't want us to be those that, that presented Jesus that's religious, unreachable, and you have to jump through a whole lot of hoops to reach this Jesus. That is not the Jesus that, that we need to present. We need to present a Jesus that's reachable because he was, he went. A couple of things that we see here. Jesus saw Matthew. You know where you can look and not see, but Jesus saw Matthew. And it's important that we see that. In verse nine, it says, and as Jesus was walking along, he saw. You know, you can look and not see. I can sometimes, Barry says, did you see that? I said, yeah, no, I don't. I don't, I don't actually see it. No, I didn't. Because I was looking and not seeing it. And, and a man named Matthew, Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth, uh, follow me and be my disciples. You must realize and be fully persuaded today that God is looking at you. He doesn't take his eyes off you. This awesome God that absolutely loves you, that paid heaven's best price for you, doesn't take his eyes off you. He's watching you, and I, I need you to be convinced in that. He sees you. Some feel and live as if God doesn't see them or know about them. I want to tell you, He does. He beholds you, if you understand what that means. Have you ever felt that there's somebody looking at you? Like I'm in a restaurant, and I think, I've got a feeling that, that there's somebody really staring at me, you know? I want you to have that feeling because God is. He's looking at you. He's looking at you. Why do I say this? 
because you're unique. You are unique. He can't take his eyes off you. I know that when, when uh, Nathan Daniel and Natalie were, were, were young and in their crib and, that I, I, and they were sleeping, man, I would, I would just look at them and say, good Lord, God actually allowed Val and I to be a part of this whole creation. And, be, and, we, and I just look at that and I, I'm just overwhelmed and, and besotted by it. Well, until they wake up and then <laughs> think, what? Did I really do this on purpose? Hallelujah. But that's what happens. And, so, and then, then some of us are saying, well, God's, yeah, I know God's watching us, but he's watching me, man. I watch every mistake I make. Well, it reminds me of the story of the burglar. Burglar goes into this house because he knows the people are away the, in, the, in, the, in the weekend. He's busy there, scuffling around, doing his thing. And then a voice comes out. Jesus is watching you. And he's startled. Eh? Here's his voice. So he kind of shuffles, trying to look for it. And the voice comes back. He says, Jesus is watching you. He says, man, you've got to find my flashlight and find out what's going on here. Shines it, and there's the parrot. And parrots are saying, Jesus, what? He says, oh, your name must be Jesus. He says, no, my name's Clarence. He says, what fool would name a parrot Clarence? He says, the same fool that named the Rottweiler Jesus. <laughs> Jesus is watching you. <laughs> I tell you what. No, Jesus is not sitting like a Rottweiler waiting to jump and look at your mistakes. No, the law has already done that, I wanna let you know. The law has already done that. The law has ticketed you for all that you've sinned and said and done and thought. It is ticketed and you've been found guilty and the ticket has been written up and you've been charged. But Jesus came legally with his life and his death and his resurrection and paid it in full. You've got to understand that. For all our sins, flaws, faults, failures, past, present, and future, listed the charges, the law has listed them, and I'm guilty as charged. But for those that are in Christ, I have to emphasize those that are in Christ, the law has been paid. It's been paid in full, and we've got to understand that. So Jesus is watching you, he's seeing you, he knows you. Why? Because he loves you. John three seventeen, straight after John three sixteen, where everybody knows, it says, yeah, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Got to get that right. I love that, that, that picture, Valerie. I don't know where you find these things, but man, he didn't, come to only, he didn't come to judge us, but he came to love us and set us free. Colossians 2.13 says, you, have, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he, gave all, for he forgave all our, our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Written there for us to see the debt has been paid in full. Jesus saw Matthew. And today he sees you and I, and it's such a wonderful thing. And the truth is, when I, when I went to that church service when I was 18 years old, I realized this. I realized Jesus had been looking at me since the foundation of the world. He'd been looking at me. And I, rem I remembered that the, the Psalm, in 100, Psalm 139, verse 13, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you 
for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship, workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watch me as I was being formed in the utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts to about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. When I can tell you that when Jesus was looking, he saw Matthew. He saw Matthew way, way, way before he saw Matthew. And so I want, because Jesus came to seek and to say that was lost. The next thought is that Matthew followed Jesus. Matthew had a choice. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Matthew had a choice. And when love encounters you and looks at you, <laughs> you're done. I want to let you know, when Jesus looks at you, you're done. When that Zoom Zoom scripture jumps off the page and gets you in your heart, you're done. Love just grabs you, overwhelms you, and saturates you. And, and here Matthew responds to the call. For many are called, but few are chosen. I know that multiple times the gospel came past me. But that day in that school hall, when I heard my Jesus had paid the price and the debt of my sin, and that he is reaching out to love me, I responded, I grabbed his hand and I have never let it go. I've grabbed his hand. And so we got to understand that there is a, a, an encounter that we need to follow, a, a calling that we need to follow. Jesus selected his disciples from the socially unaccepted. We may know that. Peter, James, and John, man, they were the, they were the lowest of the, of, of the trades there, fishermen. And uh, they were the lowest in, in, in society. Jesus made a point of going for the, uh, the socially shunned. He, went, he made a purpose to go for it. And Matthew's profession, <laughs> tax collector, ooh, was detested by the people. It's like me going when I was overseas and when you suddenly you need to get euros and I've only got dollars in my pocket and I look at those little cubicles, uh, the, the exchange cubicles. It makes me feel like, obviously, every time anybody looked at Matthew in his little cubicle, his little booth, his tax collecting booth, because they rip you off yes. with the fees and all that stuff. Yes. I, give them, I give them good 400 US dollars, and they got the cheek to give me 300 euros. My gosh, I said, you're definitely a tax collector's booth, eh? And so you could see that, that, they, that they, people hated it. I think they spat more at that booth than anything else because they, they, they knew they were getting ripped off because Matthew, he had, to, he had to make sure he had got an income as well. So he overtaxed him to get the extra. So the, it was thieving. So Jesus called Matthew. He was not only going after the socially inept, but he was also going for the morally, uh, morally bankrupt. That's what Jesus was going for. He goes, so man, I qualify. We here in this room qualify because he came after those. Matthew didn't have to follow Jesus. He got to follow Jesus. And it's so important that we see that. Now Matthew's the fifth disciple being called into the group. Now this group is becoming a sort of a, a prestige group traveling with Jesus. And so it was awesome. The truth of following Jesus is it's, it's an awesome relational opportunity to walk with the Godhead. 
It's a privilege. You don't have to. We get to. We have access to the almighty God. Jesus didn't come for us to, 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 to do good and to be good and, 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 and cause it to be a, a religious obligation. He didn't come for that. He came for a relational journey, journey of intimacy. That's why he came. So he could walk with us in the cool of day, where he could walk and talk with us in intimacy. He wanted that, that, that divide, that sin divide to be removed, and he removed it at Calvary so we could have. And uh, one may say, well, I don't walk in religious obligation. Well, can I throw a quick tester to you? Do you have a romantic relationship with the almighty God? What I mean by romantic is, do you have a raw intimacy with almighty God, with Jesus? Are you real with him? Us men, listen, I know that we kind of just, we, we kind of guarded. We don't let our emotions hang out there. We don't let our, our washing hang out there. But God says, bring it on me. Bring it on me. I mean, you want to have an example? Have a look at David in Psalms. Man, he used to throw his toys. I mean, he wrote it down. He says, Matt, they kids be wandering beggars. And I mean, he would throw his toys. And eventually the Holy Spirit could gather him. And at the end of the psalm, he would write, but oh, great are you, Lord. How wonderful are you, Lord. And so God doesn't get all nervous when you throw your toys. He doesn't get nervous. But you're being real. But you must be real in your intimacy with him. Ladies don't have a problem with that. It's us men. So come to the EXO conference and you'll get some intimacy tips. And so we can get some intimacy with our God. If this is a Sunday deal, an Easter deal or a Christmas deal, or I'm in trouble deal that you come with God, you have a religious obligation. That is your, that is your walk. And so you just call it what it is. So at the end of the service, say, Father, I've been doing that. I repent. I'm changing. And get intimate with Almighty God. That's what we need to do. Matthew dropped everything. To follow Jesus. Now, listen, dropping your nets to follow Jesus is not as much a, a, a deal breaker as, as Matthew. They could always go back fishing, and you find out that they go back fishing. They go back fishing when things get a little rough around the crucifixion. But Matthew can't go back there. He has burnt his bridges. So, for Matthew, it's a real commitment to this. And I wanted to tell you that when he, his eyes saw Jesus and Jesus' eyes saw him, they saw each other's soul. He saw the love and the acceptance in Christ. And Christ could see the rejection and the heartache and the, and, and the, and the, and the position he sees himself in society. And God says, oh, you're more than that. You're more valuable than that. You're precious. You're wonderfully. You're fearfully made. I, 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 I outnumber the grains of sands, my thoughts towards you, Matthew. That was the response. And I don't think he even got that from his mother, Matthew when he got that look and he got that touch. And I know that when Jesus looked at me at 18, man, I got touched and I was transformed and I've never been the same again. Love, um, uh, Matthew saw more than love. So the third thing I want to bring, you, bring to you is that, that Matthew's friends encountered Jesus as well. So important that, that we see this aspect, that we see. And it says here, later Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as, as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other dis disreputable sinners. He invited them. A couple of things I just want to throw at you about Matthew's strategy here, and that we may learn it. Matthew refused to be like the, the Pharisees. Matthew refused to be like the Pharisees. Pharisees disassociated themselves with sinners. Pharisees lived with this deception, saying, saying that the clean must stay away from the unclean. That is a deception that the religious people find themselves in. 
And Jesus, man, he jumped right in there. You're talking about anybody that was clean. Jesus was clean. And so the news flashes, we are all unclean without Jesus. We all with, uh, are unclean. So those Pharisees, they were, they, were, they were fooled. They were deceived. You know, a deceived person doesn't know he's deceived until you tell him he's deceived. And so Jesus being there was kind of irritating them. And, and Romans 3.23 says, For everyone has sinned, and all have fallen short to the, of the glorious standard. So we, we find ourselves short of, of the mark. We're missing the mark. It's called sin. The only reason we're accepted and clean because Jesus paid the price and gave us the robe of righteousness that covers. That's what Michelle was sharing as, we, as she led us in communion. Jesus treats us like tens, even though we behave like minus tens. Do you understand that? And I want to tell you as believers, we need to treat everybody as tens, even though they may be behaving as minus tens and uh, as reprobates and as the religious call them as scum. We treat them like Jesus treats them. He gave the best and the, uh, 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 to, to do that. So this, uh, the, 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 the Pharisees stood apart from the unclean. Jesus was ecstatic. Man, he was inside there. Man, he was like a kid in a candy shop right inside amongst all the sinners because that's what he came for. And Luke 19, 10 says, for the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Where are we? Do we have that same compassion, same desire, same wants? Pharisees stood outside waiting for the sinners to change. You've got to get the change agent to them. They can't change without Jesus. You've got to get Jesus in there, into their, to their reach. And if they understand, it's, it, it's not a sin issue now. It's a relationship issue. And when you connect with the Jesus that I know, woo, there's a whole lot of shaking going on and things start changing from the inside out. Ask me, I'm evidence. And so, and, but many of us behave like Pharisees. We're kind of waiting for others to change. And but until, like I said, unless you get the change agent there to them, they can't change, and we need to have that. Many of us have been misinterpreted Scripture, and hence cautions us to be more like Pharisees. What does the Scripture say here in 1 John 2.15? Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. You say, well, I need to stay away, because that's what the Scripture, now the Scripture says, the world, its systems, it's its lusts, not the people. You get all bound up with its passions and its lusts and its, and, and its rubbish. No, that's what God's saying. Don't do that because then the love of Christ is not there. And so the word, so, so, the, so, so it's the sin that we don't connect with, but we connect with the sinner. We must connect with the sinner. In 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be fooled by those who say such things for bad company corrupts good character. He said, that's another one that gives me a reason why I need to stay away. Good picture there, Valerie. Good one. <laughs> but again, interpreted wrong. Because you have Paul as having people taking and, 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 and corrupting and uh, disseminating error. And he's saying, stay away from those guys because they poison your heart from the truth. And so that's why he was saying that. Paul was talking about people corrupting the truth. Bad people are not those that sin. A sin tree is a sin tree. I mean, um, so Val and I, we had this opportunity on, this, on the cruise to, to get 
where there's a, a, a jacuzzi outside and we're all sitting chatting there. And eventually, man, we had gay couples, we had heterosexual couples, and they're all without Jesus, meaning they all in, are going to miss heaven unless we tell them. And so we, they get to hear about us and eventually they say, oh, what do you do? Oh. <laughs> oh. And Valerie was like a Rottweiler. I tell her. <laughs> and... Uh, and <laughs> And, uh, and they would say, oh, but I've been, I've been using the feather word and all that kind of stuff, you know. And so I said, well, Jesus is not nervous about that. He's been watching you for a while now, so don't worry about that. Yeah. But if you just make a, 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 make a way that can hear that Jesus is actually wants to dine with them, wants to have dinner with them, that he wants to be with them, oh, it opens their hearts. And so Paul corrects the, Pharise- uh, uh, corrects the Pharisee in us by saying this in 1 Corinthians 5, 9. When I wrote to you before, I told you not to associate with people who indulge in sexual sin. But I wasn't talking about unbelievers who indulge in sexual sin or greed or cheating pe- or, or cheat people or worship idols. You would have to leave the world to avoid people like that. <laughs> Couldn't even come into this room if really be truth be told. But I meant that you are not to associate with anybody who claims to be a believer. Whoop, that brings that close to home here, eh? yet indulge in sexual sin or, and is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or, a, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. When you carry the Jesus coat of righteousness and you indulge in all these things, Paul saying, keep arm's distance from that because that is wrong ambassador work. You cannot do that. We've been clothed with the robe of righteousness. So it doesn't give us a license. But if you are an unbeliever, you're still a sin tree. Until you change the root, you ain't going to change the fruit. So you need to get the Jesus in you. So we can't turn Christianity into what we stay away from. But it's who we need to stay close to. That's what Christianity is all about. It's not who we stay away from. The other thing we can learn is that Matthew invited all his sick friends. You know those people that are sin, that, 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 that are bound up in sin are sick. They are sick. So there weren't all these goody two-shoes that he invited to this, to, this, to this party, this dinner. And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. We are, surra- are we surrounding ourselves with sick people held by the power of sin. If you read Romans 6, you'll realize that there is a power and you say, oh, no, I can shake it off. Alcoholic says, no, I can shake it off. No, 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 no. There is a power that holds us, church. Unless Jesus comes and breaks that power, you're not free. And so it's bringing Jesus resident into our lives that makes the difference and surrounds us. And so they're going to a godless eternity and we need to make sure we can get Jesus. He's the healer. He's the best doctor. He's the best sin doctor. He's the best heart doctor. Because we come with a heart of stone, he gives us a heart of flesh. Man, he, he can do surgery on us in an instant. And that's what he does when we come and we respond to him. I want to say this. If all the people I love, uh, I know love Jesus, then I don't know enough people. If all the people I know love Jesus, then I don't know enough people. That means our circle of friends need to have 
the detestables, the undesirables. We need them. We need to have them right in our lives. Matthew wanted all his friends to experience the love and acceptance that he did with Jesus. And so Jesus agreed to go to the dinner. And that's exciting. The last thought I want to just leave with you. Matthew led his friends to more than a decision. Matthew led his friends more to more. If we're compelled to get people just to make a decision and the emphasis on the decision, we're missing the boat. We're missing a church. The reality is it's not about the decision. It's about the savior. It's a relationship that we're talking about. And if we are emphatic about the focus on the decision and get the decision, then what we're saying is the key to a fantastic marriage uh, a marriage is a great wedding. If I throw the best wedding, that's it. I'm done. I don't think I'd made 41 years if I'd had that idea. It is not a great wedding. The great wedding is just the door into an incredible journey that we need to understand that we're part of. The wedding is the door. And so can't just make the whole thing focused on the decision. It's, there's a relational com- component. And, and Matthew wanted Jesus to encounter his guests. So he made the invitation. That was the decision. But when they met Jesus, they got the full course. All three parts of the course, life forevermore. That's what they got. And that's what we need to do. We need to say, no, don't, you need to come to church. Come to church. No, 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 you need to come to Jesus. And when you come to Jesus, then I'm going to take you to the church where all his family hang out. And that's the coolest thing. That's what you need to do. And so we need to give them the real deal, church. We need to give them. The, and so that's, that's, that's what Jesus was wanting. He's, uh, Matthew was wanting. He's wanting his friends to get the full meal. Just not the decision for a free meal. But come and get the full meal, which was Jesus Christ. And so Matthew decided, and it's translated into being a disciple a discipleship relationship, that's what happened with Matthew. And if our lives have no unsaved relationships, then how can Jesus encounter the unsaved if we do not have a relationship with the unsaved? I'll close with this scripture. I think I'm in my time zone. Whoosh. Hallelujah. Close with this scripture in 1 Corinthians 5.18. Incredible privilege we have. And all of this is a gift from God who bought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against him, against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we as Christians, as Christ ambassadors, God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. That's what the scripture, that's what Paul is saying. So what do we learn from Matthew today? Man, he grabbed salvation with both hands. He grabbed the savior with both hands. But more, he says, I'm not going alone. I'm bringing my friends with me. I'm bringing the, 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 the so-called scum, the disreputables. I'm coming, I'm bringing them with me. I hope that, that the Holy Ghost gets that get grip in your heart today because it's, it's challenged me. So when I get challenged, I thought I'd just share the challenge, okay, to you guys. But we've got to get the unsaved in our home or find out where they're at and hang out with them 
and allow the goodness and the love of God to touch them. So Jesus saw Matthew, Matthew followed Jesus, and then Matthew said, hey, friends, come and see a man. Come and see a man that loved me when I was a reprobate and I was a bad, a bad guy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, thank you. We're challenged by your scriptures and by your word today. We're challenged by, a, by, by knowing that we need to expand those that we need to know. Father, make a way. Allow us to go to those that need to be around our table or we need to visit or we need to take a coffee and allow the goodness and, and the Christ within us to come and love them and accept them the way you, your, your son Jesus accepted Matthew and drew him straight out of that tax booth. And he became a shadow to you for your re the rest of the walk on, on earth. Father, allow us to present your son Jesus in such a way that they would embrace it, run with it, and have a relationship with, with your son Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that. So, church, what is Holy Spirit saying to you? You. I know what he's saying to me. And would you just whisper a commitment to him? In fact, if you go home and in, in your journal, journal down your commitment to him. And if you're in the sound of my voice and those that are online listening to us, if you're in a place where, man, you haven't responded and invited Jesus into your life because you need him into your life to break the power of sin, Invite him today. I'm going to pray a prayer and ask the, uh, uh, the church family to pray it out loud. But invite Jesus into your life today. Don't wait for tomorrow. Don't wait for another day. Right now, allow him to come in. Allow him to come and dine with you. Like Matthew invited Jesus to dinner, invite Jesus into your life today. And if you're there and you want to, then pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus... I believe that you're the son of God. Thank you for paying for all my sins. Thank you that you forgive me today. Today, I invite you to be my Lord, to be my leader, to be my savior. I take your hand as I step into eternity with you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, I tell you what, I know that some hearts have responded to that and there's a whole party happening in heaven because I know that the, the Bible scripture says when one comes to Christ, the angels throw a party in heaven. And uh, so we're excited. If that's you and you, you prayed that prayer, just, just respond and, and shoot me a text. You know, so I don't know, your, there's a lot of information. I'm not hidden. My, my cell phone number's out there everywhere in the highways, byways. Everybody knows it. And they can get me at all hours of the day and night as I experience. But <laughs> tell me, tell me, you stepped into eternity. You prayed that prayer. And for the rest of us, let's just, let's, let's, let's just ask God to, to challenge us in, and give us opportunities to speak to the person at the checkout, speak to the person in the parking lot, speak to the person wherever it may be, to that person that serves you at the restaurant when you go and have lunch now. L allow your, the love of Christ in you. Commend them, honor them. Just allow, allow that, 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 that 10 compliments to compliment them. 
compliment them like Jesus sees them as precious and wonderfully and fearfully made. And his thoughts outnumber the grain of the sands of the sea. And let them know that they're absolutely loved and adored. So, Father, thank you. Musicians, as you can come up here, thank you. Father, I thank you. That as we break and as we go in fellowship now and then we go home and we go to do all what we have to do this, this week, I thank you that you, you lead us to the lost. Lead us to those that need your love. Lead us with words and affirmation and, 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 and commendings of love to people that, that need it. Allow them to know that they have value and worth. Allow them to know that they're accepted, Lord. Allow us to be the vessels through which divine favor flows, preventing misfortune in the lives of others. Allow us to be that in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask Fred. And